guys can grab a seat. Good morning, City Light. How are you guys today? Doing well? Thanks for joining us for the 8 a.m. Guys, some of y'all are kind of looking at me a little confused. You're like, man, this, this dude's kind of short, and he kind of has an average beard, and he's a little too excited for the 8 a.m., but just to, just to clear it up, I'm not Austin, okay? Uh, my name is Andrew, and I'm one of the guys on staff with our City Light U team. Guys, my wife and I, we joined staff a little over a year ago, and it has been such a gift of God's grace to serve and to be a part of this family. So I just want you guys to know, I'm so excited to be here with y'all today, and I am so excited to get to lead us through God's word. So guys, at City Light, about once or twice a year, uh, we take time to go through our core values and who we are as a church. So just to recap, our core values are down, up, in, and out. We like to keep it simple around here. Thank God I'd probably get confused, right? Uh, but our first core value down is simply the gospel. It's the truth that God came down as a man named Jesus, fully God, fully man. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't live, died to pay for our sins so that we could find life in him. So, so really, our core value at City Light is down. It's the gospel. Like, that's the primary one. And as Mo explained last week, our other three values are all an outflow of that. So all the other three values are in response to the grace that we've received in the gospel. So, so then our next core value is up. So essentially up is our worship and, and our formation as we grow in our relationship with God and respond to his gospel. And then today we get to talk about in and out. Okay, so, so in is our fellowship, it's our community, and then out is God's mission. So first I want to ask you guys a question. Uh, and, and in light of the Husker game yesterday, I know we're kind of bummed still. I'm sorry. I had already written this illustration before the game got canceled. Uh, we're, we're still going to talk. It still works. It's, it actually works a little bit better, okay? Uh, so, guys, yesterday, opening game day, right? Everybody's excited. We're all anticipating the return of Scott Frost, right? Hallelujah. We're excited about that. And, and guys, the preparation for yesterday started months ago, though, right? Like, Scott Frost came here in December, and he started recruiting, and then you have spring camp, and you have summer training, and you have countless workouts and film, and I'm sure the list goes on and on and on, but my point is, is that there was tons of preparation for yesterday, right? And, and guys, there's a product and a benefit of all the work that the team has put in. Like, the team has benefited from coming together and practicing, and they've got stronger and, and healthier, and they've learned new plays and formations, and they're united as a team. So the product is the benefit that they've gained from coming together and putting in the time and the sacrifice, right? Because the product and the benefit of their hard work isn't the purpose they've been brought together, is it? Right? Like, that's why we're so disappointed today, right? Like, the purpose is that they play some football, like, we don't care about the benefit right now. We're like, we want to watch the Huskers play, right? So, guys, in the same way that the Huskers have been brought together as a football team, has God's church been brought together with a purpose? That's my question for us together. What is the reason that God has brought together his church? And, and there's an obvious benefit to us meeting, right, as a community, and, and we grow, and, and God does desire us to, to worship him and to pursue him together but did God intend for our community to stop there? Or does God have a plan for his community to have a purpose far bigger than Sunday mornings in city groups? So guys, similar to the Huskers, how they were brought in 
to be sent out to play football. We, God's church, were brought in to be sent out on mission. So basically our whole message today can be summed up in the one sentence that Jesus has brought us in to send us out. So, so that's where we're going today, and we're going to pick up in John 17. So guys, our passage that we're going to dive into today, uh, basically it's at the end of Jesus' life. So for three and a half years, Jesus has been walking with his disciples, and he's been teaching them who he is and what he came to do. So in, in the chapters leading up to our passage today, John 14, 15, and 16, it's some of Jesus' most intimate teaching that he gives to the disciples. And then the passage right after ours today in John 18, Jesus is about to be arrested, and he's about to be put on trial, and he's going to be condemned to an unjust death on a cross. So Jesus, in, in this prayer that we see of his today, he knows that he's about to get arrested, right? He's God. Like, Jesus knows everything, and yet, knowing he was about to get arrested, he stops and he prays. And, and Jesus prays for the disciples, and he allows the disciples to overhear this beautifully intimate moment with our Heavenly Father. And he prays for the disciples, but as we'll see in our passage, he also prays for everybody that will come to know Jesus through the word of the disciples. So essentially, Jesus prays for us. So if you've trusted in Jesus as your Savior, just hours before he was on this earth, he was on this earth, and he was about to be arrested to go to the cross to pay for our sins, he stops and he prays for you. And today... That's the prayer that we're going to look at. So that's what we're diving into in John 17, and, and we're going to pick up in uh, verse 13. So Jesus says this to the Heavenly Father. He says, But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So guys, the first point that I want to draw from the text today is the product of in. And when I say that, I mean the benefit of us, of our community, the benefit of our fellowship. And guys, I'm going to lay out three benefits that I think we see from Scripture today. And, and the first product of in that we see is that we're a family that reminds each other of the truth in Jesus. We are a family that reminds each other of the truth in Jesus. So guys, Jesus, verse 13, he says, to the Father, I'm coming to you. So, so we know that at this point in Jesus' life, he's accomplished his earthly ministry of obedience and surrender to the Father, and Jesus knows he's about to fulfill his mission at Calvary. So essentially right here, Jesus is saying, Pops, I'm coming home. Like, he's like, mission accomplished, Dad. I'm coming back. So that's what's going on here. And, and he says, these things I speak in the world that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. So I think the first question we got to ask is, man, what are the these things that Jesus is talking about? So at the end of, of chapter 16, the chapter before this, Jesus says to the disciples, hey, a time is coming soon where y'all are going to be scattered. And he knows he's about to be condemned to death. And as his followers, they're going to be terrified. They're, they're going to be scattered. And then at the end of John 16, Jesus says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So one of the, these things that Jesus is talking about is that no matter what our trials are, no matter what our sufferings, and no matter what we're up against, he says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And then in uh, verses 11 and 12, so right before the verse that we picked up in, Jesus prays to the Father. He says, Father, keep them in your name. And he says, guard them and protect them. And in his prayer, Jesus says, God, I haven't lost one of the children that you've given me. 
So, so Jesus, one of the, these things that he speaks of is not only the confident assurance that we can have in our heavenly father, but that he will never let us go. And, and Jesus says that he speaks these things that the disciples, that, that we might have joy in ourselves. So guys, in the same way that Jesus reminded the disciples of these truths, a benefit of our community is that we get to remind each other of these truths, right? And guys, what's, what's the problem? Like, why do we need this benefit of community? Like, we're forgetful, right? I don't know about you guys, but I forget God's beautiful promises that he's made to me, right? So one of the benefits is that we get to speak these truths and remind each other of who we are and what promises Jesus has made to us. We get to remind each other of these things that Jesus is speaking of. So guys, last week, uh, it feels like it was last week. It was actually like four days ago. Uh, it, it was in my city group, and one of the guys in my group, he came to us. He's like, dude, uh, man, I got some things that I, I need to share with the group. And it was an all-men's night, and, and he proceeded to uh, open up and confess this sin that he's been struggling with uh, for over 10 years. And Satan had told this guy the lie that if he had shared that with other people, his brothers and sisters in Christ, that he'd be thought less of. And he thought, there's, there's no way I can say this to my brothers and sisters. Like, I can't get real about this. And one day, he's at work, and, and God just speaks to him almost clearly and says, it's time. Like, it's time to get real. And I, I praise God genuinely that this man got real, and he was obedient to God in that he comes to our group and, and he shares with us and he gets real and this sin that he'd been hiding for 10 years that's been weighing him down he, he brings to the light and friends what did it allow us to do like it allowed us to remind him of the truth that in Jesus he's covered by God's grace it allowed us to remind him of the truth in Romans 8 1 that in Christ there is no condemnation he's not marked by his sin he's free in Jesus. And guys, it was beautiful. It was one of the most beautiful nights we've had at City Group as, as he shared and, and we prayed together as a family. And, and it was awesome. We got to remind him of the truth of the gospel. Friends, this is one of the benefits of our community. We get to remind each other of these truths that we have in Jesus. And City Light, I want to make it clear we're not primarily a, a good advice culture, but we're a good news family. Okay, so, so good news, or, or good advice rather, is helpful and it can be okay, but good, new, or good advice doesn't have the power that good news has, right? So guys, people don't need our opinion, uh, they don't need five steps to a better life, but, but what we all need is we need the truth of the gospel spoken to our hearts. That's what we need. And friends, Jesus reminded us on the cross that he defeated sin and death, and that we have freedom in him. And, and guys, just really practically speaking, this is one of the many reasons why it's so important for us to stay rooted in, in God's word, right? Like it's through getting in his word that I'm reminded of his promises. I'm reminded of his truths, right? And, and if we're not being reminded of God's truths, if we're not reminded of his word, then how can we remind our brothers and sisters of those things? So City Light, if we don't first share the good news with people, then our good advice will be powerless, and now we're going to pick up in verse 14. We're going to look at our second benefit of community that we see today. Uh, look at verse 14. It says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. 
So the second product of in, the second benefit of our community is that we are a family that relates to one another. So guys, my best man, one of my best friends in this world, uh, we met at FCA Week in the Champions. It was like four years ago or something like that. And the first night, they had this giant circle. It was an icebreaker game. There's 30 to 40 people that are in this circle. And the point of the game was that you look down, and on the count of three, everybody looks up, and you stare at somebody. And if you lock eyes with somebody, then you step out of the circle, and you get to know them. So as fate would have it, one, two, three, we look up, and we lock eyes with each other the first round. And man, our bromance started right there. Like, it was like immediate, okay? And, and we step out of the circle and we start uh, getting to know each other and we start relating and we realize that we actually have a ton in common. And throughout the weekend, we continued to get to know each other and we ended up finding out that we both had, had wrestled with a substance abuse addiction not that long before this. And six months prior to when we met, we had both given our lives to Jesus right around the same time. So, so me and my, my best man, we related in that we had a common struggle, right? Like we, we understood each other, and it was like we immediately connected. And I want to ask you guys, have you guys ever had an experience like that? Have you ever had an experience where you meet somebody and, and you have a common struggle, or, or you can just relate to them in some sort of way, and it's like you just immediately have this connection? So guys, in verse 14, Jesus is essentially saying that as God's children, we can all relate to one another and that we're not of this world. Man, we have a gospel family that's around us as we pursue Jesus together. And guys, Philippians 3.20 says, as God's children, our citizenship is in heaven. So, so we are of this world, right? We, we belong to Jesus. And when you belong to Jesus, you have different convictions, right? Like you have different desires you live a different way and guys if you're of the world then you love the things of the world makes sense right but man if you're a citizen of heaven then you desire the things of God and the things that are pleasing to him see we aren't of this world so we have a desire to live a life that's pleasing to God and we know that this world doesn't actually offer true satisfaction man that true satisfaction is only found in Jesus and guys, the world hates the word that we've been given, right? Like when you actually really think about it, man, the world absolutely rejects what we know to be true of God and what we know to be true in his word. Like the world rejects the idea that we should save sex for marriage, though we know that that's God's beautiful design for it, right? The world rejects the idea that we shouldn't turn up and get drunk on the weekends, though we know God's word says, no, no, don't get drunk. Be filled by my spirit. Like walk with me. The world thinks it's crazy that we'd give sacrificially of our finances to advance God's kingdom instead of just spending our money to consume all these things, right? The world thinks it's crazy that we would lay down our lives for God's kingdom instead of trying to build a kingdom of our own. And guys, college students, many of you know a lot of uh, professors at major universities absolutely think it's dumb to, to follow a, an archaic book like the Bible, as they would say, right? And the media absolutely rejects the idea that there could only be one path. To salvation, though we know Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, and guys, I imagine that if at work you were going around lovingly telling people, hey guys, I just want to let you know it's, it's not being a good person that gets you into heaven, but it's actually grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. I just love you enough to tell you that I'm pretty certain you guys would be hated by many. And, and City Light, it's hard sometimes, right? 
Like we can relate to each other. It's hard to live as a follower of Jesus in this world because at all times, the world is pressing in on us, right? They want us to give in. They want us to ease up on our convictions or, or change our desires to look like the desires of this world. But the good news is that not only has Jesus saved us by his gospel, but Jesus has adopted us into a family where we can relate to one another and we can walk with each other as we pursue Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Friends, as the world pushes in, we can look to each other and we can say, bro, I feel you. Sister, I feel you, right? We can say, I know how you feel. We can relate to each other. And, and we don't have to just be outcasts of this world, but we can be united in our Savior. And guys, look at verse 15 and 16. We're going to check out the last benefit of our community. Verse 15 and 16 says this. It says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So the final product, the, the third benefit of our community, is that we are a family that resists sin together. So if, so if you guys look at this verse, Jesus prays, and he doesn't ask that the disciples get taken out of the world, but he asks the Father to protect the disciples from the evil one. So in Christ, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world, Right? And a product of our fellowship is not that we separate from the world, not that we just isolate ourselves, but a product of our fellowship is that together we stand and we resist temptation, right? And friends, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus showed on the cross that he's victorious. Like the, vic the victory's already been won, right? So, so our job isn't to fight for victory, but our job is to stand firm in Jesus's victory together as a family, right? That's, that's the benefit. We get to resist temptation together. And guys, Jesus does not guarantee that we won't be tempted in this prayer. And he doesn't guarantee that we won't have suffering, and he doesn't guarantee that we won't have struggles, but Jesus's prayer and God's promise is that no matter what struggle we face, no matter what temptation we face, God will endure us. God will hold on to us. And guys, in 1 Peter, uh, chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, it says this. Um, verse 8 says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Verse 9 says, Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood all around the world. So, so God calls us to stand firm in Jesus to resist this temptation, right? But he calls us to do it with our brotherhood around the world. So he calls us to do it as a family. And guys, I want to give three um, really brief encouragements on how we can practically live this out. Like, this is all great, right? But how do we actually live this out together as a family? And I just want to give us three points of encouragement. And the first one is just to be honest. Be honest with each other. Like, if we don't know how we're doing and what we're struggling with, then how are we supposed to help each other resist the temptation and the lies that we're facing. We have to be honest. And guys, I want everybody to know City Light, this isn't a place. The church in general shouldn't be a place where we have to put on a mask, where we have to clean ourselves up, but it's a place where we can come real and, and be honest. And the second thing is, is let's be intentional. So let's ask people questions and let's lead with vulnerability, right? Like I heard somebody put it this way, give people the gift of going second. Lead out in vulnerability, be honest with how you're doing, and then people will know, man, I can be real about how I'm doing as well, and let people know, man, you're going to be met with the grace of Jesus. You're not going to be condemned. Man, we're going to meet you with grace and remind you of God's promises. Guys, we can love people incredibly well in this family if we just 
ask questions and, and listen to them. And the third thing is let's be honest, let's be intentional, but let's also be committed to each other. So guys, honesty is great and intentionality is great. And we can have these beautiful moments of, of confession and, and prayer and it's sweet and it's intimate and it's beautiful. But then, man, what if we forget to follow up with each other, right? Let's be committed to following up and walking with each other in these struggles. Let's be committed as a family. We're not in this alone. Let's be committed to doing it together and friends, City Light and Christian community in general is supposed to be a community that's like no other community in the world. Like Christian community is supposed to be the place where you can come and say, man, I'm broken. And I got some stuff going on and I got some needs, but it's okay because I'm going to be met with grace. And God sustains me and God meets me in my weakness. And we know that because Jesus has saved us, we're new creations in him, Right? Like, my identity is fully wrapped up in Jesus, therefore, I can feel the freedom to be authentic. I can feel the freedom to be vulnerable. And guys, as a, as a Jesus-centered family, we get to uh, remind each other of the truths of the gospel. We get to relate to one another, and we get to resist temptation. But I want to ask the question, what is the purpose of the community that God is creating here? Like, like what is the purpose of, of all of those things, of all of those benefits? So we're going to look at verse uh, 17 through 19. And Jesus continues in his prayer. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. So the second point that we draw from the text is the purpose of in, out. The purpose of in, out. So, so Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So this word sanctify means to be set apart as holy. And when we've trusted in Jesus, we're given his righteousness. We're not declared uh, for our sin, but we're given Jesus's righteousness. And we're set apart in the eyes of God as holy. But then God also begins this process of transforming our lives and transform, transforming our desires and making us look more like him, right? And this process is called sanctification. And then Jesus, in verse 18, he says, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So, so Jesus, he prays for the disciples to be set apart, but then the following verse, he prays for them to be sent out, just as he was sent into the world. So these two verses right here in this passage, they show the entire point of Jesus's prayer for our unity and this prayer shows the inseparable link between our core values in and out, okay? So as Jesus prays, we see the inseparable link between our fellowship and God's mission, right? So just like the Huskers were brought together as a team to be sent out to play football, Jesus' prayer here shows us that we were brought together as God's family to be sent out in the world to proclaim his gospel, that's why we've been brought together, is to go out to the world to share how good Jesus is. And, and friends, then Jesus says, uh, for their sake, in verse 19, for their sake I consecrate myself that they uh, may also be sanctified in truth. When I first read this, that verse this week, I was like, whoa, like what is going on there? We've got to press into that, right? Um, and, and friends, I'm just going to read straight from what I have here. I, I paraphrase this from a commentary. It says, this is meant to be understood that Jesus is committing himself to the holy will of the Father and dedicating himself to God's mission. So this consecration 
This is meant to be that Jesus is committing himself to his Father's will and to the mission that God has sent him on. So, so what we know by this verse is that Jesus is saying that if he didn't fulfill his purpose at Calvary, then we couldn't fulfill God's purpose of being set apart to know him as his family and being set out by mission. So it's because Jesus was consecrated, because he was committed to his mission at Calvary, we can know God in being set apart, and we can be sent out into the world. So, so Jesus is likening sanctification to mission. And Jesus is likening being set apart to being sent out. So Jesus' prayer is essentially showing being set apart and being sent out are two sides of the same coin. You can't separate them. And Jesus' prayer actually shows us that we can't grow to look more like Jesus and not grow in our heart and our desire for the lost. That's what Jesus' prayer is saying. You can't grow in sanctification. You can't grow in knowing God and not care about the world knowing the gospel. It's impossible. You can't separate the two. And guys, our church today, we equate sanctification being set apart with separation, right? Like we think, man, I'm just going to hide in this holy huddle and I'm going to stay behind these church walls like they're a stronghold against worldliness and sin. And we get involved in 101 different church activities so that we never actually have to engage a broken world. And friends, we isolate ourselves in our attempt to not identify with the world. We isolate and we just stay in these holy huddles and we miss the purpose of why God has set us apart. So guys, yes, community is intended by God, and God desires this, and there's a benefit to you being here, and I desire for you to be here, and I'm glad you're being here, and those benefits are not bad, but Jesus's prayer here is debunking the false belief in our church that the point of community is community, and Jesus's prayer here is showing us that the point of community is that we'd come together to proclaim his gospel, Guys, we're not called to identify with the world. We're not called to isolate from the world, but we're called to impact the world with the gospel. And guys, I was convicted of this myself this week. If we're, if we're not impacting the world with the gospel, and if we're not doing so with other believers around us spurring us on, you will isolate in a holy huddle, or you will identify with the ways of the world. You will fall into one of the two. So I want to ask you guys, as, as a family, lovingly, man, are you identifying with the world? Are you isolating from the world? Are you impacting the world with a gospel family? And guys, now we're going to look at verse uh, 20 and 21. Jesus continues to pray. He says, I do not ask for those only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me. And I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So Jesus prays, and he prays not only for the disciples, but this is where we see he prays for everybody who would ever believe in Jesus through the word of the disciples. Jesus is praying for us, and he's praying for everybody that will ever come to know him. And we can see here again in this prayer that obviously community isn't the point of community because Jesus is praying that this fellowship, his redeemed children, would proclaim his gospel to the world, that they would know that God has sent him, right? So community can't be the point of community because Jesus is saying, man, I'm praying that others would come to know you through this family, right? So, so Jesus' prayer for everything that embodies our core value of in like our fellowship and our community and our, our oneness and, and our unity. Jesus' prayer says, so that the world would know that God sent Jesus as the Savior of men. That's Jesus' purpose statement. He says the purpose of in is out. 
And the purpose of our community, the purpose of us meeting as God's redeemed children is that we would grow to know him, but that we would also live out God's mission. And Jesus' prayer makes it clear. And and in verse 22, Jesus prays and he says, Father, uh, the glory, the glory that God has given to Jesus, he's given to us. And then in verse 23, he prays again and he says, he says, God, just as he, just as God the Father and God the Son are one, might, might they be one? Might we be one, united, just like God the Father and God the Son? And then he uses this word, so that, again. At the end of verse 23, he says, so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you loved me. So Jesus' purpose statement for this community is so that the world would know that God loves his children as much as he loves his son, Jesus. Isn't that crazy? Like he's saying that the world would know that you love them as much as you love me. That's mind-blowing. And we can't even comprehend how much God loves us. And guys, God, he didn't begrudgingly send Jesus into the world. That wasn't how it happened, okay? And, and Jesus wasn't like begrudgingly, okay, I guess I'll go to the cross. No, God's word says that for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. So, so as Jesus was on this earth, God in the flesh being nailed to the cross and crucified as the payment for our sins, the joy that was set before him was fulfilling his mission to bring you and I back to life and bringing glory to God the Father. The joy that was set before him. And it was a joy for him to come and fulfill his mission. And in the same way, God intends for us to go out to the world for the joy that is set before us. For the world to know his love. To know that he sent Jesus and bring glory to him. Man, we're called to go and to go joyfully. So friends... Yes, the product of our community, there's, there's a benefit, in, and it's good that we would uh, remind each other of God's truths, right? And, and it's good that we would relate to one another and not being of this world and stand firm in Jesus as one, and, and it's good that we would resist temptation together. But all of this is that the mission of God would be fulfilled in the world. So City Light, if we think coming in, if we think that Sunday mornings and our city groups are all just about coming together and and growing and knowing God's word and building godly relationships, then we're missing out on God's purpose for our lives. And yes, God has intended to set us apart as his children, but God has also sent us out with the purpose of making him known and proclaiming his gospel. So guys, we're missing out on half of what God intends for us if we're not living this out. And guys, it's not this burdensome, I have to do it thing. No, it's this beautiful thing that God has invited us into. And, and guys, uh, my wife and I, uh, we just celebrated our one year anniversary. Some of y'all know that. Uh, yeah, praise God, praise God. Uh, I was kind of going for Rookie of the Year Award. I don't know if I got it. Self nominated, okay? Um, but anyway, it's been a crazy year and we've been super, super busy lately. And it's been awesome. God's gifted us with amazing things to do. But man, this week, I was like, I got a lot going on, and I I need to fight, and I need to be intentional to make sure that I guard time that that my wife and I can enjoy each other, and that I can love her and care for her well, right? It's it's a joy to to love my wife and to spend time with her, but for those of you in the room that are are married or in a serious relationship, you know, sometimes you got to fight for that time, right? Or it'll just get pushed to the back burner, right? And and though we enjoy it, and it's a privilege, we got to 
fight for it. We gotta be intentional. And if you're not in a relationship, you're not married, well, you still know what that's like, right? Like some of y'all be getting swole in the gym. Man, you're fighting for that time to be on your schedule. I know. I mean, because some of you college students, you're fighting for that time to be on your schedule to study. And, and here's my point. We fight for the things that are important for us. We're intentional about the things that matter. And what could matter more in this world than living out the purpose of making Jesus known to a people that are lost and in desperate need of a savior. And what could be more important than that? And guys, I don't know what it is for you. I don't know how God wants you to be intentional, but I wanna challenge all of us. Would we come before God open-handed and say, Father, how would you have me in response to your gospel, in response to what you've done for me, not to earn your approval, but in light of your grace, man, how can I make you known? God, how do you want me to be intentional at, at my workplace or uh, on my college campus, in my classroom, in my neighborhood? I don't know what that looks like, but would we fight to be intentional about what matters most? God's mission. And guys, think about how crazy this is. Like, it, it's pretty nuts. Not only uh, the mission that God has given us, but, but the message that we have to bring to the world, right? Like, the God of the universe looked down on us, and we were broken, and we were lost, and he said, man, I want to save them. I want to display my love to a broken and rebellious people. And Jesus volunteered. Like, he got off his eternal throne. He stepped down from heaven. He, he left the comforts, and he left the crown, and he came down into this world, and he lived a perfect life, and he died a death that we might know him. And guys, Romans 5, 8 says that the unique way that God demonstrates his love for us is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? Like, that demonstrates how, how much he loves us. When we were still dead in our sin, Christ died for us. Guys, this is the message that we have to bring the world. So my question for us is, is would this gospel not only save us, and would this gospel not only draw us into an amazing gospel family, but would this gospel spur us on to share that message with the world, right? Would we not just be a family that comes together for amazing community and amazing fellowship, but would we be a family that goes out and proclaims God's word? Let's pray.